Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Thank you, Prem. Please do keep, you are going to need a Bible. So either keep the printed form open or on your phones. If you haven't got one in front of you, please do find one and open it because we are going to go through these words together. Um, general rustling going on. Um, now, I am sometimes asked uh, by people outside of church, what do you do? Uh, and I found over the years that if I say, oh, I'm a vicar, then there's a sort of a sighing and a groaning. And people often, oh, you know, is that the time? And off they go. Uh, so over the years, I've tried to sort of explain to people outside of church what I do, not by the title, but a bit more through what the job is. And I found that uh, one way to explain it is when people ask me is to say, I am in the business of life and death. And when you explain it like that, I can assure you, people's ears prick up, their eyes open, and they are very intrigued. Because the reality is that life and death are the most important matters that we face as humanity. And death has been hidden away in our society. The truth is, over the last 50 to 70 years in our culture, people have stopped talking about death. You know, we die behind closed doors, and, and it's become a subject that people are not willing to talk about. And that's one of the reasons why actually today, Remembrance Sunday, is so important. As we look back and we remember and we give thanks for the lives that have been given in service for this nation. But one of the consequences of, of death being hidden is that we don't actually grapple with the reality of our own mortality. And death brings fear for many. And even for some believers. But as followers of Jesus, we have every reason for hope. And I want to take us on a journey of hope this morning. And we're going to do that through these words in 1 Thessalonians. So let's pray and then we're going to look at these words together. Father, we thank you this morning that you are a God of hope that we have every reason for hope through the resurrection of Christ. And Lord, I pray this morning, come and speak to us, remind us of your promises and your truths, that we would be a people of hope. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Hope is not a feeling, it's not an idea. As followers of Christ, our hope is rooted in a person, Jesus, and in the truth that he has declared and that the whole of scripture declares over you and me through the resurrection. And so we are called to radiate this hope to the world around us. But the truth is, I don't know about you, but we don't always do that, do we? Because we find that our, our hope is slightly chipped away by life and 
work and relationships and sickness and finance and the list goes on. Jesus never promises us an easy life, but he does promise us life in all its fullness. And he does promise us a blessed life. And he does promise us as we put our trust in him, an eternal life. And so as we've read through this letter from St. Paul to the Thessalonian church over the last eight weeks, we've been reminded of this dynamic that we are to be a people of hope even when we face challenging situations. And the Thessalonian church was no exception. They were facing persecution and oppression. They were trying to swim against the tide of Greek culture and ideology. But they were a people of hope. And so if you flick back to the beginning of 1 Thessalonians, go back to chapter 1 where we started this letter, and verse 3, you can read St. Paul writing here, we remember before God your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Endurance inspired by hope. And it's hope, isn't it, that helps us keep going during the tough times when we're facing challenge and difficulty. You know, when we feel up against it, it's hope that helps us persevere. And so in the second half of chapter 4, St. Paul speaks about the greatest hope that we have. And it's a resurrection hope that leads to eternal life. And Paul takes us on this journey from death to life. And this is the journey we're going to do in the next 10 minutes. Are you ready? And uh, we're going to read through the scriptures. We've got some slides which the brilliant Ella is going to lead us through that I hope will help us understand this journey from death to life. So the first thing is this. St. Paul writes, be informed about death. In other words, understand death. He writes in verse 13 of chapter 4, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. Now we need to remember that St. Paul's writing to a group of believers, a church, and he's writing about those who are no longer alive, but men and women who were of faith. And so we, first of all, need to understand what does the Bible say about death? And the more that I read scripture, the more I realize that death was not part of God's original plan. If you flick right to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, it is full of life and creation. And God creates the world and the universe, the stars, the oceans, he looks at it and he says, it's good. And he, then he creates humanity and he says, it is very good. But sin entered the world. And we read in Genesis chapter three, sorry, chapter six, verse three, about a limit on the longevity of life. And it says the reason why is because we are mortal, or in another translation, we are corrupt. And so it is, we can see that death entered the world because of sin. Flick to the other end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, and we read that when Jesus returns, there will be no 
more death. And so we find ourselves between these times, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 helps us in our understanding of how we wrestle with the reality of being between these times. The creation of all things and the return of Christ. Now, whenever I lead a funeral, I always try and be really clear with everyone that the separation that death brings is acutely painful. And I have sat with many people, young and old, some of whom we collectively know, knew and loved, who have gone to glory. But death is painful. It's painful for all involved. I've cared for both of my parents through their declining health and death. And the real pain that we face from this separation is called grief. And grief is an expression of love. And I encourage people to grieve well, to show that love for those who are no longer here. And this is part, again, of why we mark Remembrance Sunday. To remember, to give thanks, to show our gratitude for those who have given their lives in service for this nation. And so this then leads us on to the next point, please, Ella. Once we have understood death, St. Paul writes, grieve with hope. He doesn't say, don't grieve. And I think this is a, sometimes confusing for Christians. They think maybe, maybe we shouldn't grieve. He does not say that. What he says, if you have a look at verse 13, is do not grieve like the rest of humanity who have no hope. Or in the message translation, don't carry on like people who have nothing to look forward to, as if the grave were the last word. Now Paul is, again, writing to believers about those who have died in the faith. But interestingly, and we need to really pay attention to this, his language, he's not, he doesn't say those who have died. Have a look. Verse 13, he writes about those who sleep in death. Or verse 14, those who've fallen asleep in him. And so this language of being asleep in Christ really helps me and should help us as we understand the reality of what happens for those in faith who come to the end of their lives. Why are we to have hope? Well, he writes here in verse 14, and this is like a creed, isn't it? He says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus all those who have fallen asleep in him. In other words, he's saying Jesus died on the cross to take all your sin and my sin. And in doing so on this cross, in taking our sin, he has taken the sting of death. And through his own life has modeled the way forward for you and for me, which is resurrection and eternal hope. First for himself 
and then for all of us who trust in him. And this is the beginning of hope. Paul is helping us here to find the words to explain what happens when we fall asleep in Christ. And I don't know about you, but language can sometimes inhibit our ability to explain and understand. And Paul's saying here, we in Christ will fall asleep with him. It is temporary. Death is not the end for those in Christ. And then he goes on to say, the next point please, Ella. Hold on to the hope of resurrection. Now Paul picks up on this language of being asleep in Christ when he writes to the Corinthian church. And in chapter 15, if you want to flick back to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52, and there'll be a gentle sound of rustling paper and scrolling fingers. So chapter 15, verse 52 of 1 Corinthians. And he's writing about resurrection here. And he says in verse 52, In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, all will change. In the twinkling of an eye, all will change. Now if you flick back to 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16, Paul is telling us Jesus will return. The Lord himself, he writes, will come down from heaven. And then what we read in verse 16 of 1 Corinthians 4 is that all those who have been asleep in Christ, in other words, everyone who has had faith, who is no longer alive up to the point that Jesus returns, will be the first to be resurrected. That is what Paul is saying here in this passage. And then we get to verse 17. And this is, these are important truths for you and me to wrestle with and grapple with. And verse 17 has been described as the rapture. And what he's saying is, is that those believers who are still alive, treading the earth on the day when Jesus returns, will then also be brought with Christ together, with the Lord himself, and with all those saints throughout the ages, the decades, the generations before who have had faith. And it says in verse 17, we will meet together in the clouds. And by this, he is saying the clouds symbolize the presence of God. And so we will be brought together when Jesus returns with all the saints of old, resurrected forever, for eternity with Christ. It is going to be the best family reunion you can ever imagine. Verse 17, we will then be with the Lord forever, reigning with him in eternity. Death is not the end for those in Christ. And so Paul writes in verse 18, encourage each other with these words. And that's what I'm trying to do today. I'm trying to encourage you that actually we have a hope here. A sure and certain hope. And we're to live our lives in the present and as we look forward to the future in the reality of this sure and present hope. 
and that we are to go out into this world, a world that, quite frankly, is hopeless, and communicate the truth of this certainty. Finally, last thing, please, Ella, is St. Paul says, get ready. A couple of weeks ago uh, in my sermon, I shared, and if we could flick onto it now, please, Ella, I shared this picture. Do any of you remember? It's the image of a telegram that my grandfather sent to his wife, my grandmother, as he was returning from Burma, having been serving in the war for six years. And this telegram, I said then, and you probably can't read it now, says, um, sailing expected, arrive end of October, and it's dated the 28th of September, 1945. And when my grandmother received this telegram, can you imagine the joy in her heart? And I remember her saying when she received this, she suddenly was sort of compelled to begin to get ready. And so she went out and bought more food and she, she got my grandfather new clothes and, and she began to put the house in order. And the Bible is telling you and me to get ready and to put our house in order to put our lives in order, our hearts in order. And we don't know, if we could go back, please now, Ella, we don't know when Jesus is going to return. Verse 2 of chapter 5 says, it will be sudden and without warning. Jesus himself says in Matthew 24, no one knows the day or hour when the Lord will return. So there is no point speculating. And I hear amongst the widest sense of the church, so many people who love to speculate. There is absolutely no point. If you're doing it, stop. We do not know, says the Lord. But he does say, get ready. Get ready. And he uses the image of a thief coming. This is Jesus in Matthew 24, in the sense that, in the same way we don't know if someone's going to come and break into our house. We, we won't know when the Lord's going to return. And Paul picks up on this language in verse 2 to say, get ready. And what does that mean, getting ready? Well, Paul tells us here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the answer, put simply, is live differently for Christ. Live differently for him. And so we read, be in the light not in the darkness, verse 5. Be awake and sober, not asleep and drunk, verses 6 and 7. He's saying, be alert, be ready, live your life as if Jesus were returning today. Today. If someone said Jesus is going to return at two o'clock this afternoon, what would you do with the rest of your life? Those hours, those minutes, those seconds. Get ready. 
And then Paul goes on to use this image of armour. And it, there's obviously echoes of Ephesians chapter 6. He writes in verse 8, put on faith and love. That's what it means to get ready. Put on faith and love. As your breastplate. The hope of salvation as your helmet. And he's saying whatever you go through in your life today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, for the years that the Lord sustains you on this earth, trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus' salvation. Trust in the promise of Jesus' return. Because when he comes, we, his people, will rise with glory forever, for eternity. And this is hope. And this is why we're to be a people of hope, with a message of hope. So let's pray now, and then we're going to return to worship. just as we pause for a minute ask the Lord what he might be saying to you what does it mean to get ready is our hope really rooted in these truths that we've just read together to read these words of Romans chapter 15 over you as a prayer. May the God of hope fill you now with all joy and peace as you trust in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.